0: You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, Today is Wednesday, January 6th. I am the host of the show, St. Louis Cardinals mega fan, Lucas Smith. Got some good content for you guys today. Won't waste much of the time on the introduction. Uh, we have a conversation. It's a two-parter. Uh, first part being released today, obviously. And the second part will be released on Friday. Um, Sean Sears of Locked On Cubs joins me. It was supposed to be a one-party, but Sean and I just, just couldn't stop talking. So it was a good time talking with Sean. We'll talk about the, the Darvish trade a little bit, about the, the weakness of the NL Central. Um, and, and you kind of go back and forth on different things things on the state of the Cubs, what happened to their dynasty, and just kind of all over the place. So I hope you guys enjoy. Give Sean a follow on Twitter, um, and I hope you guys enjoy the uh, part one of our conversation today. Here is Sean Sears of Locked On Cubs, and I enjoy. Have a great one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Locked on Cardinals. I'm your St. Louis Cardinals mega fan and your host, Lucas Smith. We've got a crossover show for you guys today. The wonderful Sean Sears of Locked on Cubs joins us. How are you doing, Sean?
1: I'm doing good, Lucas. Uh, you know, I had a little bit of time to take in this uh, kind of crazy blockbuster trade with Tarvish and the, the Padres, but um, kind of a, a weird outlook now because I think the Cubs championship window kind of just got slammed shut with this deal. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think that that's kind of been the consensus. And, you know, as soon as the trade happened, I knew I wanted to talk to you with it being an NL Central trade. But, you know, you, I mean, the, the trade itself seemed like it took eight hours to confirm of who was going which way, what prospects were coming. Throughout that whole process, as, as you know, let's just jump right into it here on the show. What was your <laughs> process in, in real time to the trade of the different names that are being thrown around and um, it ended up being you Darvish and Victor Caratini leaving. And then you guys got uh, Davies and a handful of prospects. What was your reaction in real time to that trade?
1: Yeah, I honestly, uh I, I was kind of disappointed initially that just Starvish was getting moved, but we, we'd heard kind of rumors throughout, like even before the trade happening, it'd been kind of going on for the last week or so. And when rumors were starting to get more serious after Christmas, I figured, okay, if they, they pick this up immediately after the holiday, this is probably happening. So I was kind of ready for a move to happen. But what sucked is like the packages just continued to get worse as the day <laughs> went on. It just seemed like, like I, I figured after like hearing the news kind of break a little bit on Monday, I was like, okay, C.J. Abrams is a is like a decent return. I'll, I'll take that prospect. And then the <laughs> the package comes down to Zach Davies and, and four kind of lottery tickets um, prospects who are probably all four look pretty good. Like I'm excited about them. It's just a bummer that that's your return for Hugh Darvish who came off a near Cy Young season. So um, that's apparently the Cubs selling high, which is pretty concerning. But Jed Hoyer was pretty adamant that this wasn't just financially motivated, even though I, you know, I don't believe him. It was definitely pushed because of the money, but um, they seemed really excited about these four guys. So that gives me hope Hoyer seems to have a good eye for talent. So there's like some positives to take away, but overall I was just, uh, when the news came out and it was these guys in Davies, I was just kind of like, man, I, here I was six hours ago, kind of complaining about CJ Abrams. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Davis is a guy, you know, he used to pitch in Milwaukee. I never – he always pitched well against the Cardinals. I feel like I, – I need to look up the stat, but I feel like no-name players always pitch extremely well against the Cardinals, and for a while Davis was that guy. I, I never had a problem with Davis. I think he's a solid pitcher. He's no U Darvish. don't get me wrong um
1: mm-hmm. but
0: i just you know i think zach davies is going to be fine in chicago he, i mean i mean I, like i said Cy young no but i think will be a solid guy but when I mean, when you look at the, the padres in the two trades that they made to get blake snell and you Darvish, i think they wanted to give up like one top five prospect in their system and i don't think any of the four that the cubs got were top 100 prospects in the, in the majors were they
1: no no they and and uh <clears throat> that could have possibly happened uh, like that, that, that could have been maybe updated had yeah. there been a 2020 20 season in the minors had played some of those guys, I think might've crept up into the maybe the top 10 of the Padres system, but um, top 100, definitely not.
0: Yeah. You, you mentioned Jed Horner's comments. It's always interesting to, to hear about, you know, what the motivation behind certain trades are. I know the Cardinals made a trade a number of years ago that they shipped off Craig and Joe Kelly that, that kind of ruffled some feathers. It seems that this one kind of did as well. Some people, you know, people that I've seen on Twitter, from the people that I follow and stuff, and talk to seem to be one way or the other. You, you don't seem too happy with the trade in terms of a baseball standpoint.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a disappointing thing just because I think what's really frustrating to take is just that, uh, you know, the Cubs are looking like they're if they're not rebuilding, they're at the very least taking a step back in 2021. Um, But it just makes me think like, A, the Cubs kind of are only nine years from, you know, doing this before kind of rebuilding, getting bad, you know, being bad on purpose to get high picks and spending a lot of money on international free agents, those type of things. And, um, you know, it it was all kind of under the guise while like updating Wrigley field and all these renovations were coming with new ownership with Ricketts uh, group that, you know, this wouldn't have to happen again. And for the Cubs to just kind of sell this low on on a guy like Darvish um, who, who I know is 34 years old, has Tommy John surgery in his past, is obviously a guy who, when he came to the Cubs, wasn't great. You would still think even at 34 near Cy Young season, you could get at least one top 100 prospect. Um, Hoyer seems to think that it has more to do with just AJ Preller and his like inability to move any of those top guys from his system. Like the fact that they moved Luis Patino for Snell surprised me, but beyond that, I mean, their entire, you know, their top, I think five or six top prospects are all intact outside of Patino and they've acquired just a ton of players. They're the only team making moves this year. Um, yeah. I think it shows just how important these prospects are. And Hoyer was trying to say that, you know, these guys that they're acquiring all have high ceiling, all look like guys who uh, had they been in the Cubs system before, you know, they'd just been signed by the Cubs and coming up, I'd probably be excited about. Um, so there, there gives me some hope for some of these guys, but the trade itself just kind of says that the Cubs aren't really willing to spend money. And I think the return on the trade kind of shows and, and Hoyer kind of alluded to this without directly saying it in his press conference, but it feels like they were being pushed and motivated by ownership to really kind of get a deal done. Mm -hmm. And, You know, you look at the return, and it's hard not to sit back and think like, man, how did the Yankees not beat this offer? You know, like, man, throw one more prospect in, and you know, whatever mid-level starter they can give back for Darvish, they'll probably make this deal. Um, It's kind of crazy to think that other teams didn't maybe jump at this, and it kind of just shows that I think the Cubs had to. Move this deal had to eat some money, and I think the inclusion of Victor Carantini in here this deal, which seems like just kind of like he got included because um, had to have, had to have something to do with them saving money. So uh, it's disappointing to see a, a major market team not spend money simply because ownership doesn't want to. Well,
0: I thought the whole you know how, how much of their con- of that contract are the Cubs keeping?
1: You know so they were able to get out of I think 59 million collectively um they're paying back I think it's something like three million back to the uh, to the, uh, the Padres okay. for the salary for this year. Um, so they take on Davies, who will probably be like n- maybe like $9 million. So they save about like $50, 49000000 on payroll this year on that move alone, which is great that they did need to cut salary. They had to get below the sal- the luxury tax. They did go over it last year and the year before. So they were repeat offenders. But um, you know, it seems like they're going to continue to cut salary. And that's kind of like where things get ridiculous because we're talking about a major market team that as it stands right now is $20 million short of the Padres and payroll right now and that's just just stupid <laughs>
0: <laughs> more coming up from Sean and I in just a moment but are you ready for the college football season to be over you have one more game and we have a way to win you some money there's only one place that has you covered for your sports betting and one place that we trust here in the lockdown Podcast Network and that's betonline.ag Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use your promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. That means if you give $100, they'll tack on an extra 50 And right now in the bowl season as it wraps up with the national championship game between Ohio State and Alabama, Alabama currently a nine-point favorite. Tons of other things to bet on on betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action, and don't forget the promo code Locked On to receive a fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And a way to win some extra money as well. You can listen to the, our new show on Locked On Podcast Network called Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. And rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. And best of all about those prices, the prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same whether you're a professional or do-it-yourselfer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And be sure to write locked on their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. It, it, it's definitely bizarre, and I think Carin, Carantini is a nice piece. I, I I don't think he really gets moved unless it's Darvish getting moved. Uh, just, right. They're, they're, like, they're, they're the personal combo. Uh, it, you know, Darvish always threw to Carantini. Um, and, it, you know, I feel like a catcher has enough problems trying to deal with the pitching staff. and when, when one of your guys throws 10 pitches, you might want to split up the time. Right. <laughs> so. When you talk about the return for Darvish and how frustrating it is and how the window might have been closed shut, and obviously Hoyer's comments, you know, take it for a grain of salt, whatever you might look at. Mm-hmm. What are you looking at? You know, we talked a little bit a while ago. I had, uh, had you on the show. You mentioned you might be a little bit more aggressive in making moves. Cubs have some decisions to make in Bryant and um, Rizzo, Baez, Contreras, maybe a couple other names that, I, you know, those are the big four that I think of. Right. Do you think any combination of those stay or go? What's your feel right now? As we sit early mm-hmm. January, um, still plenty of time for moves to be made. And, where do you think that the market on those guys like?
1: Um, It it feels like the Cubs are just kind of hoping for maybe a, a a nice like bounce back first half for Chris Bryant to try and sell high at the deadline. It doesn't seem like any of the offers they're getting now are really enticing them. so, I would expect Chris Bryant to be on this roster, at least for opening day. Um, Anthony Rizzo, same type of situation. Javier Baez and Wilson Contreras are, are guys I know teams have interest in. Um, Contreras seems like the guy that if they were going to move someone, it would probably be shortly after Rilamuto signs because they could maybe then take advantage of a team that missed out on Rilamuto, and McCann's, and whatnot of the world. And they don't want to necessarily sign Yachty or Molina. Not because anything against or Molina, but it's tough to say that guy's a starter at nearly forty. So, yeah, uh, so like maybe they cash in on Contreras there, but I think a lot of these guys are stuck here. Um, and if the Cubs were to make a move, I, I think it's going to be more money driven than anything. Um, that being said, they, they they do have to like they're going to have to sign some people. Like the, the fact that John Lester hasn't been apparently in that close of contact with the Cubs is is strange to me because the Cubs do need pitching and it's not like John Lester really bolsters the rotation much, but at least it's a, it's a known commodity, a guy who wants to be there. Even if the Cubs are bad in 2021, he said he wants to win his his 200th game as a Cub. And mm-hmm. I'm sure if the Cubs could make the money work, they would, but, I don't think John Lester's just going to not, you know, this could be the last, maybe not big payday, but one of his last like real contracts he might get before he kind of is done. So I'm sure he's going to want to try and cash in a little bit. So like there there, there's things here that the Cubs have to address on the rosters. They're going to have to spend money, but, um, in terms of like them moving guys, it's hard to say, cause it really does feel like if they, if they are going to take on any money that they have to make sure they're moving money too. So um, we'll have to see, but if I had to guess, I would expect a lot of those guys to stick around at least for a little bit because the Cubs have been shopping them and they're clearly not getting the, the offers they're looking for. And that's, that's why they want to trade Darvish. So if they had to move Darvish and make this move, that tells me the value isn't very high for a lot of the other players.
0: Yeah, I, I think selling high, when, when you look at the Darvish trade, that might, you know, that leads me to agree with you on the Chris Bryant because of how, you know, I, I think abysmal might be too you know, hard tell <laughs> how bad his 2020 was. And I, I don't, you know, I think Bryant, he's been nowhere near his MVP in 2015. I think even in 2016, that was a bit of a, a down year um, from, from my perspective, looking on the outside, looking in. But I think. I think that he he's a tough one to move just because of that extra. Did he did he win that grievance? Did he get an extra year of of, of team control?
1: Right, it, it's this year. It's twenty twenty one. So that's okay. why it's pretty frustrating. The Cubs are punting after they fought tooth and nail for twenty twenty one. Chris Bryant. So.
0: <laughs> and I, it, it's interesting. Just if Carantini if Carantini is gone, if Contreras is the next one to go. Do you think that the Cubs go for a catcher? Or is there one of the minor leagues? Uh, because, like, like I said, they're going to have to make some additions. They can't just all be major leagues. <laughs>
1: right they're good they're, um, they're they're catching positions actually one of their deeper positions in the minors um, their best one of their best prospects and their best catching prospects is player Miguel Maya um, he's been in the system since he was like 1918 something like that and um, he's 21 22 he's really close to the majors but he hasn't had any bats above a high a ball um, so he's probably not a realistic guy to bring up to the roster um, there's a couple of their catching prospects they like but they're all pretty much like haven't seen much beyond rookie ball so the Cubs would probably have to sign a veteran. Jason Castro is the name I've seen thrown out there that the Cubs have shown interest in. Usually when like a, a utility player's name pops up and says the Cubs have interest, they almost always sign them. You know, last one that happened with was Daniel Descalso. And yeah. so that I, I would be surprised if they didn't go after a guy like him. But if they if they move Contreras, uh they'll definitely if if they're not a, if they're not signing a catcher immediately after they they would probably be acquiring at least someone passable for for a major league ready as a catcher at that moment so but the, I honestly, I mean, if they're moving Wilson Contreras after trading Carantini, the, the goal is clearly to be bad in 2021. Right. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll probably that there's a good chance they could maybe compete 2022 if they do want to spend money again. And maybe they will. But um, it seems like 2021 is very much just kind of recoup value and see what happens with this group. But I still think they'd sell the deadline, even if they are winning this division.
0: Well, b- before we get to the, to the division, just a, a quick point that, that keeps coming to my head is like, what happened? I mean, I know that I mean, it's, a, <laughs> it's a podcast, but even in 2017, the year after the World Series ring, you thought this team could be. I mean, I think I think the word dynasty is thrown around way too often in the sports world.
1: But sure. you had
0: young guys in Bryant, Baez, Rizzo, Contreras—all the guys we're talking about right now. Lester wasn't at the age of being old yet; he was getting up there, but he was. He was solid. You had pieces all around you for the Mm -hmm. club that you said, okay, this team can win for years on end. And I don't know if Joe Madden wasn't the right fit. And again, this is a loaded question that there's no way you can possibly (laughs) answer. But this team just seemed to fall off, not the end of the earth, but it just seemed to fall off each and every year, falling short of, to me, attainable expectations with the talent they had on that team. Um, So it's just bizarre to me that the window is closed this recently after um a really incredible twenty sixteen run. Um,
1: right. Incredible twenty sixteen team. It's a it's it's tough to kind of figure out. I think I think one of the biggest things really is that Joe Madden was really good at getting these players to play in moments that that play to their strength. Um, you know, making sure Albert Almora is getting at bats against left-handed hitters or pitchers, or you know, Addison Russell is getting a ton of time at shortstop, and Javier Baez they're sneaking him in every now and then at third base or second base, and getting him at bats in moments that made sense. It, same thing with Kyle Schwarber. Joe Madden was really good at plugging these guys into moments where he knew they'd probably succeed and just, you know, boosting their confidence a crazy amount, hoping it would just kind of translate to the rest of their game. And that worked for a while, especially in 2016, because they had veterans like Ben Zobrist, Dexter Fowler, Miguel Montero, David Ross, obviously to lean on, as well as just a ton of super talented young guys. Like people forget, like Jorge Soler was on that team, and it, like like not even talked about, like Pedro Strope was was on that team, but not quite Pedro Strope yet. But he's like the Cubs' like eighth best reliever that year. Like it's just kind of nuts. Like mm-hmm. the Cubs had a ton of depth, and they didn't have any major injuries outside of Schwarber that year and then obviously he comes back and is incredible in the World Series so like I think it was just a combination of the Cubs at a young age just winning and thinking at this point like they'd made it they were at the top and this is where they're going to continue to stay at and some of those players stagnated But I think some of it also kind of falls on Joe Madden because he just didn't take a lot of these guys out of their comfort zone. You look at like Anthony Rizzo, for instance, before Joe Madden came, Rizzo was really bad against left-handed hitters or pitchers. He couldn't play against them in San Diego. That was one of the biggest reasons they traded him. Same thing for the Red Sox. They thought he was going to struggle against right or left-handed pitching. He comes to the Cubs. The Cubs play him every day for about a year and a half. And now... Anthony Rizzo is just collectively one of the best hitters in baseball. It doesn't matter lefty or righty. He's still one of the only guys that takes, I think it's him and Jason Hayward are the only guys that have taken Josh Hader deep from the left side of the plate. Um, (laughs) So yeah, take that Josh Hader. But uh, like the, the the Cubs just didn't really quite do that. Joe Madden didn't continue to get these guys working on things that they weren't quite great at. And he did when he did kind of put like, like Albert Amore, let's say he started him in center field for 400 plate appearances. It was pretty clear for like after a three weeks, like Albert Amora is struggling. Maybe we don't play him every day and maybe we try and get him out and maybe we decide this guy's a platoon player. Maybe he needs more bats in AAA, but it became clear. And this is why the Cubs have changed a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. They're scouting a player development. They just weren't doing something right with a lot of these young guys. They were finding talent. They were finding ways to succeed, but they weren't finding ways to sustain that talent and keep developing these players. And then it just kind of felt like a lot of guys got comfortable as seasons went on. And, I mean, we we heard last year with David Ross coming in, like Javier Baez saying, like, him not being mentally ready for baseball games until the third or fourth inning. It's like, what? (laughs) Like, you you shouldn't have said that, first off. But second, like, what in the world? Like, how is that a thing? So, I think it just came down to the fact that this team just got overvalidated immediately. Like, they were, I mean, all these guys are going to forever be, like, basically folklore heroes on the North side of Chicago because they brought this stupid world series to them. And it's awesome. And I, I, I can't thank them enough, but I think it was just like a moment that like became too big for guys who are 22 and just were just told, not only are they the best baseball players, at, you know, like in the league right now, but they're, you know, historically already, like, you know, you are historically the greatest Chicago Cubs team already. Like right. you, you did it. Like it's done. (laughs) So I I think it just, I think it messed with a lot of these guys. So I think it was a combination of that, a combination of the Cubs holding on to a lot of their players, but when it comes down to it, the Cubs should have identified there were issues. They tried to in 2018, Theo Epstein tried to spend money, but the ownership group kind of clamped down on spending then. And that's kind of the last time we saw the Cubs really spend any money was prior to 2018. So um, there's a lot of things to point down to, but, the sad thing is, like, yeah, you said it in 2016. You look at this team and you thought, like, them and the Astros could poss- possibly be the next dynasty group that lead this team for the next decade. And, you know, five years later, it's a new manager. Six years later, it's probably a different team. It's crazy. <laughs>